for your goodness. Hallelujah. We worship. Amen. Amen. You are alive, Lord Jesus. The scriptures tell us it. History tells us it. Even philosophers from the past tell us it. And Father, your Holy Spirit told us he's alive. And we're in this church today because your Holy Spirit revealed Jesus Christ to us. Then we knew that he was alive. And we still know he's alive. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for providing our salvation. Lord, your word says in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 9, 27, it says, Godly sorrow leads to repentance, and repentance leads to salvation. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, as we repent of our sins, and as we receive you as our Savior, we know that Jesus paid the penalty, and he's alive and well. 2,000 years we've been celebrating this. Every other religious, uh, religious figure is dead, buried, burnt up and made ashes, but Jesus Christ is alive and well, that tomb is empty. And that's why we're here today, Lord. This is Thanksgiving week, and we want to thank you for our risen Savior, Jesus. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, because the Father gave you an opportunity and, a, and something that, that no father would want to do. You said, asked him to die for, the, his, crea- for God, his creation, and Jesus said, yes. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We know you're alive. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start off a little different before I welcome the new crew. You can sit down. I want to show you, and I'm, things like this, it makes me believe that he's alive. About three weeks ago in this church, I was sitting in the back row against the windows with a, a, a lady who had lost her husband. He was older, from a different state. She comes here once in a while. She's not here today. We're sitting in the back room, back there, and she says, you know, Pastor Joe, when, when uh, I lived in another, another state, I won't mention a state, I'll give her away. Anyway, she says, my husband came out to me out of the blue, and they're older, in the 80s. She said, my husband came up to me out of the blue, and she, he said about, he said this, he says, when I go to the Lord, he says, I only want our pastor to do my memorial. And, and uh, they were very close. So she said, that's kind of unusual. He don't talk like that. These are strong believers. And she said about three weeks later, they come home. And they're sitting beside one another, I guess, on the couch. And he, he, he was very strong, no, no physical problems whatsoever. He's sitting there in a, beside his wife. And he said to her, well, he said, Jesus is standing there. And she goes, Jesus is standing there. Yeah, Jesus is standing right there. And she said, he said to her, don't worry. I'll be okay. And he laid his head on her shoulder. And a few minutes later, he passed. Perfectly healthy young man. But the story I tell you is because it's true because I believe this lady. I know her. I know her family. I know that she wasn't telling me some, you know, made-up story. I say that to tell you that this, this Christianity, this belief you have in Jesus Christ, is because he is alive. He is alive. He's alive and well. And there's a lot of people out there that think this is a bunch of baloney. Well, I've, you've been fed a bunch of baloney by the devil from the pit of hell. Because Jesus Christ is very alive and he is very well. And all you've got to do is call out to him and say, hey, Jesus, if you're there, reveal yourself to me, and he will will reveal himself to you. He says, those who seek me with a pure heart, a diligent heart, will find me. He didn't say you might not find, you won't find me. He said you will find me. You have to seek with your whole heart. You can't just go out there and try to prove that he's he's wrong. Unless you're doing it with a pure heart, then he'll prove to you that, that he's alive. And he proved that to me, and that's why I'm a Christian. 
And he proved that to you because I look around this room and I know you all. As far as I know, you all are Christian to me. We talk Jesus, we live Jesus, we walk in Jesus, and we serve Jesus, and we serve our brothers. I want you to know that Jesus is a very alive and very well. And you can think back through your life of what God has done for you. You know, last week, before I introduce ourselves to the new audience, um, last week we celebrated Veterans Day. And Veterans Day is a, is a, a thank you, a pause to give thanks to God for the people who fought for the things that we hold crucial in our lives, which is freedom to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, or freedom. But Thanksgiving, which comes up this Thursday, is a day when we pause to give thanks to God. Not yourself, because you have a good job, or you have a great family, or you have a Maserati sitting in your driveway. It's to thank God for the things we have, especially the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what Thanksgiving's all about. You bow your head. For those of you over the audience or even here, if you don't bow your head before you eat your Thanksgiving meal before the Lord and thank Him, because the very next breath you're going to breathe, breathe comes from Him. Say, thank Him for your breath. So he's alive and he's well. And that's what Freedom Church is about. Uh, this is Freedom Church. By the way, for all of you that tuned in, we believe that Jesus Christ, he came, he died on a cross for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he is risen the third day according to the scriptures again. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I believe it is. That's the whole nutshell of the gospel right there. One verse tells it all about Jesus, him crucified, dead, buried. That's what Freedom Church is all about. It's about Jesus Christ. So that's who you're listening to online. We're glad you're here. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're in Lantana, Florida. We're on the north border of Boynton Beach. So if you're in local, we're here every Sunday. I invite you to come on down. You know, um, you can just, if you're local, you just get on I-95, head to High Paluxo Road, go west a quarter mile, on the north side of the road, if you go to Congress, you're too, too far. You're, you're uh, way too far, actually. So come on down if you're uh, next week if you're 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana. So um, also, we have a men's Bible study for those local men. Every Saturday morning at 9, it's a great group of, group of guys, and uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And these guys love the Lord. So, and we do Bible studies and we talk, we answer questions. Some people get on their, some guys get on their knees and repent. Sometimes we anoint them with oil, you know, if they feel sick. So this is a Bible-believing church. We go by the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyway, if you're online, you know, which is freedomchurchpb.org, you can go to, uh, to our, you can see our beliefs, you can find our address, you can uh, find our list of ministries. You can even uh, watch past services, and you can even give online if you choose to. I know a lot of people are staying home today. Maybe you'd be here today, but it's you know they're calling for 99% chance of rain, so that means uh, you better bring an umbrella. But don't stay home. Get out to your churches. We don't have to. Our church has already started. You probably can't make it here, but there's other churches that have godly churches that have. Uh, Bible preaching services. It might start at noon or something like that. Get out. You know, Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and that means you're a group. And I said just um, last week and even a little while ago, a lot of people think church is an event where you go to watch a band perform or listen to a message. It's an event, but it is an event. It just isn't an event. It is a family get-together. And it is where family come together. That's what God, Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 10. The word of God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. That means some people do it. But encourage one another, and all the more as the time draws near. You can't encourage the speaker on the, on the TV. But you come into church and gathering with your brothers and sisters, you can be encouraged and lifted up. You know. So... Um, you know, come on out to church if you, if you can. If you're in some other state or some other country, you know, just get out to church. Because that's where you're going to find people with like minds and like hearts that fall in love with Jesus. 
Okay, I think that's about it for us. For those online, you can even give if I didn't mention that. Um, but I told you, go get your Bibles out now. We're going to turn to Psalm 105. I'm going to break from our study in, um, in Matthew just because it's Thanksgiving week. And it's probably going to happen during these next, the, this month and next month because, uh, you know, it's Christmas. So we might do a Christmas message instead of sticking with Matthew. Okay? Um, so I got a little list here. Um, Theron's going to pass it out. Just a little list of, of the points I'm going to hit today. Okay, so I'm gonna, I got a lot more information than what's on there. And you might even have to, you know, get in your Bible and check some of these verses out. But I'm going to mention some of them as we get along. I called this me- message, you know, give thanks to the Lord. That's what it's all about. You know, giving thanks to the Lord isn't just Thursday or Sunday when you come to church. Giving thanks to the Lord is for every breath that you take. It's for every drink you drink. It's for every meal you eat. Giving thanks to the Lord. It's for your children. It's for your, your spouse. It's for your family. It's for your neighbor. You know, giving thanks to the Lord. Some of them you might like, and some of them you might not like. Probably the ones that you might not like probably need to have Jesus, so maybe you ought to be around them a little bit more. You know, Gotta gotta figure figure things that way. Psalm one oh five. I'm gonna read just the first five verses, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, sing praises to him, like we just did. Call of his talk of his wondrous works, which we just did. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart Hearts of those who rejoice, who seek the Lord, seek the Lord and the Lord and his strength. Seek the Lord. Three times we're seeking the Lord, right there in those two verses. Seek his face forever. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. You know, we could go through this whole psalm. There's a whole lot more in this psalm than than the, the points that I have here today, which on your list is a point of eight. You know, we're to give thanks. This, this, there's some points here. Number one point is we are to give thanks to God. That doesn't say just when you're in church on Sunday. That says every day, really, give thanks every day to the Lord. Number two point is calling upon his name. We're supposed to call on his name. I'll bet you everyone sitting in this place today that is a believer, I'll bet you at one point in your life you called upon the Lord. You've got to call upon the Lord and you shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Number three, this is the, we're still in the first verse here. The point number three in the first verse, making known his deeds. That means we're supposed to talk about him everywhere we go. You know, wear a T-shirt that says Jesus is Lord on it or something like that if you're not a, uh, a person that would go out and talk to somebody. Let them know that you're a Christian. You'll be amazed how people will come up to you and they say, will you pray for me? Or, hi, brother or sister, love you. You know, because it's, it's great. Make known his deeds. We have to make known. We're going to go to some of those points today, you know, making known his deeds. There's too many. This Bible is full of his deeds. You know, I'll bring up a couple of the points, but the whole Bible is full of deeds of God, you know. The, the parting of the Red Sea, it's a deed of God to free a nation, to a nation that would bear the Messiah through the bloodline. We'll hit a couple of those things. Number four in verse Verse 2, 1 or 2, 1 and 2, singing unto him, singing unto him. We're going to hit, I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 15 today. And I want to show you what Miriam said after, and she got the girl ladies to worship the Lord after the closing of the Red Sea. And they were on the other side and the entire Egyptian army was destroyed. And these were a bunch of peasants. They were farmers. They were bricklayers. You know, and God equipped them in the promised land with all the weapons of Egypt that were washed away in the flood. 
not in the flood, but in the coming together of the Red Sea and the drowning of all the Roman soldiers and the horses' bridles and all the swords and everything that they use for warfare, which they are going to need to get into the promised land. God has provided. Sing and make melody unto the Lord. Number five, point number five, talking of his wonderful works, his marvelous works, most versions say. We need to talk of his marvelous works. Why do you think I told you the story I told today? I want you to see the marvelous works of God. I can guarantee you this lady's no fluke. You know, you know her. You've met her in this church. You know, but the point is, she's no fluke. You know what she was telling me? The wonderful works of God so that I could tell you. Don't get discouraged if you feel like he's not there. He is there. He is there. Now, point number six, glorifying his holy name. We're to glorify him in our works and our actions and our deeds and everything that we do. Point number seven, having a heart that seeks the Lord. That's what the Lord wants right now for the whole world, to have a heart to seek the true God, not some God that tells you to lay on a bed of nails and you'll be saved, not some... Some religion that tells you you've got to do this and you've got to do that. All you've got to do, according to the word of God, is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And believe is a verb, which means you, it demands action. It doesn't say, oh, yeah, I believe, and then you walk away and, and um, you know, go someplace and do something that you shouldn't do. You need to have a heart that seeks God. God doesn't want your head knowledge. He could care less how popular, how strong you are, how, how knowledgeable you are, how wise you are. You're wise in the earthly wisdom if you don't have the, the wisdom of God. There's a big difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. Have a heart that seeks God. God wants your heart. Remember, God told Samuel, don't look at the outward appearance. Look for the man that has the heart of God, and I'll show him to you. And, you know, he went through uh, Jesse's, what, 11 sons? No, nobody, nobody was called. He didn't have a heart for God, but you sure you don't, Jesse, you sure you don't have another son? Oh, yeah, I got a son. He's a little ruddy guy out there. He's watching a few sheep out there. Get him here right now. As soon as Samuel saw David, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. That's him, because David had a heart for God. You know why? While he was out there watching those shepherds, those sheep, you know, he was glorifying God, probably making known his deeds to people that he talks to. You know, he was probably he was probably watching those sheep, and we know for sure he was protecting them because the scriptures tell us that when a lion and a bear came after uh, one of his sheep, and he killed them both with his bare hands. He had a heart for God. Nobody's touching my father's sheep. That's the way every pastor is supposed to believe. Nobody's going to touch my sheep. Try to lead you in another direction. God's leading you to another church or another ministry. I understand that. But no devil's going to steal you from this church. And if he does, I'll be telling you about it because I'll, I know the Lord will show me. And he has over the years. Point number eight. Remembering his marvelous works and his wonders and his miracles. I just mentioned the Red Sea. You got David going against Goliath. You got... You got um, Joseph in the, in the pit, in the cistern, rescued, and ended up second in command in Egypt. We know some facts about, about gratefulness. Number one is, you know, great, gratefulness or thankfulness improves physical health. Did you know that? You know what? Years ago, up in Pennsylvania when I was up there, I'm going back 40 years probably, okay? I was not a preacher then. I was in a sign business. And I sold a sign to this lady hairdresser, you know, and her name was um, Jeannie Panza. My dad was a barber, so my dad knew all the people in the town because it was our town I lived in had like 3,000 people in it. Everybody practically knew everybody. Jeannie Panza came to the house. She wanted me to redo her sign. It was eight by eight. So I redid her sign. But the whole time, I'm talking to her about the wonders of God. But here I found out, here's why I'm bringing her into this, is because Jeannie Panza was a, a lady. She was just a happy lady. 
And as I was getting to know her, a good lady, you know, she told me that she had an artificial stomach. And I said, you got an artificial stomach? I didn't even know they could do that. Now, I'm 40 years back. She says, yeah. She said, they had a whole bunch of people that were going to take this test that had needed a stomach. And she says, I was one that was chosen. And they chose her because she was a lady with thankfulness. She was grateful. She was a happy-go-lucky lady. She, she was, didn't let anything get her done, and that's the way she was. And I led her to the Lord. But she wanted to have Bible studies in her house, so I led Bible studies in her home, and her father got saved. You know, these things, you've got to tell of the marvelous works of the Lord so you can see these things. I told you of a marvelous work of the Lord. I believe that Jesus was standing in front of that girl because I've had times in my ministry and times I was on my knees before God, and I could almost see him. I know he was there. I was afraid to open my eyes many times for fear I'd see his feet and the nail prints, the nail scars in his feet. He's alive and he's well, and we need to, we need to be grateful people. She was chosen. Grateful people, and grateful, gratefulness improves physical health. It's a proven fact today through doctors. They will pick people with positive attitudes for a dangerous situation. Or something that's never been done before. Par thankful people have more friends and they have stronger relationships. Did you know that? That's proven facts. Thankful people have more confidence. They have more confidence. Thankful people are less apt to have depression. Did you know that? Thankful people, you know, have less depression. Thankful people are more compassionate and less aggressive, and less revengeful. Happy people. Thankful people have lower rates of PTSD. Did you know that? I have people in my family that's been in wartime. And they, they all have PSTD. I'm a Vietnam veteran. I don't have PSTD. I have Jesus. I have Jesus. Biblical characters modeled thanksgiving. Hannah, remember Hannah? She couldn't have a baby. Her husband was, uh, I believe, old. She couldn't have a baby, so she prayed to God, and she said, God, if you give me a baby, I'll dedicate him to you. She was a thankful person. Then she had many babies after that. She, when she weaned Samuel, she took him to Eli the prophet, and Eli trained him to be the great prophet and judge of Israel. He was the one who went to David and anointed him with oil, looking at his heart. There was David when people gave to the Lord for the proposed temple. Before the temple was even visualized, David you know, put out a request for, for um, people to give for the purpose of building the temple, which his son Solomon would build. And you know, he was thankful and he praised God. Daniel, after he interpreted you know, Pharaoh's dreams, thankful unto God, he went up to his window, opened a window, got down on his knees, and thanked God three times every day. You know what? There was Daniel too in the lion's den, and I'll bet you he was very thankful when those lions didn't tear him apart. There was Jonah. He was thanking God after that whale spit him out on the beach. And he went through the city preaching the gospel to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented, including the king. And there was Anna, remember? Remember Anna and Zechariah in the temple when Jesus was brought to them, a little baby, eight years old, to be circumcised and dedicated to the Lord? She knew right away she, who this was, and she began prophesying and praising God because even Zechariah, same thing. He didn't expect, he knew that he wasn't going to die. He was very old. And God's Spirit had told him, You won't die until you see the Messiah. And when he saw that little eight day old baby, he saw the Messiah and he began to glorify God. These are just some examples. This Bible is full of them. 
Jesus. Oh, not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But the two disciples that were going to Emmaus, and they walked with Jesus seven miles. Seven miles with Jesus they went. And when they sat down to eat, Jesus revealed himself to them. And guess what they did? They began to thank God. And they ran back to Jerusalem seven miles to tell the disciples that Jesus is alive and well. And I want you to know that today. Jesus is alive and well. And that's all we have time for. If you want to find more things and, and see men and women of faith, go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read the entire chapter. Many heroes of faith. You know what? A lot of heroes of faith uh, over the generations are not written in the Bible. But I'll tell you what, there's probably millions of them. I hope there's billions. Over, over the time man existed, there could be into the billions, maybe even into the trillions of people that love God. There wasn't the 8 billion people like now on the face of the earth, but during the last, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Point number, or, you know, um, the point number one, give, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because all good comes from the Lord. All good comes from the Lord. God isn't going to give you a snake if you ask for, for a fish. He's not going to give you a stone if you ask for a loaf of bread. God gives good gifts. And you know why else you give thanks to the Lord? Because it is a major theme of the Bible. Major theme. There's 150 psalms alone with all kind of praises in it. And including, you know, you go to Proverbs and many other books of the Bible, all kind of praises in it. Thankfulness changes your perspective. If you're thankful for something, your whole perspective can change. Thankful people become givers, givers too. They want to help others. They get more compassionate. Thankful people stop trying to use other people to, for their personal gain. Thankful people experience greater joy and peace in their lives. Thankful people Stop complaining, and they start praising. I told the men just yesterday, sometimes when I go to prayer, I get up and I, you know, and I'm leaving and I'm saying, Lord, forgive me for complaining. I'm meant to be thankful. A lot of times when we go to the Lord in prayer, we're just a bunch of complaints instead of thanking him for who he is and what he's done for you. Dwell on those times. Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, keep your mind on these things. I think it goes into before that, be anxious for nothing. And the seventh verse, sixth or seventh verse of Philippians 4. Thankful people take their eyes off of themselves and think about others. Thankful people look to love and bless people. I told the men yesterday, do you really, you know, a lot of men have problems with pornography and lust and all kind of stuff like that. I said, next time you see a gorgeous woman, men don't lust over because she just might be number one an angel number two she might be she might be um, what can I say she might be a child of God so you're lusting over and committing adultery against Almighty God, because that's his wife. Think of it that way. What if it's an angel walking around? You know, Hebrews talks about some have entertained angels unaware. You don't know where that person came from. They could have just appeared in the aisle and left after you were tested. You know what? That, that girl could be a believer, and she's engaged to Jesus. You've got to watch these things. Think 
True thankfulness comes from receiving God's most precious gift. And you know what, who that is, don't you? True thankfulness comes from receiving God's most precious gift, and his name is Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. Thankfulness comes when we realize our sins are forgiven, we have been reconciled to God, and we have eternal life forever in his kingdom. The church today needs to refocus because the last three years have been a living hell. And don't get mad, I didn't cuss or swear. Hell's mentioned in the Bible a whole, many, a whole lot of many times. The whole world went through a living hell in the last three years. It was very difficult, and it's still very difficult. We're on the edge of it. There's all the presidential elections. There's the COVID-19. You know, there's the, 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 the spirit of fear that passed not only through the world, but the church. You put faith over fear. And I know some of you don't want to hear that, but you've got to put faith over fear. I didn't say it. The Word of God hints to it constantly. You don't have to fear anything. You're a child of God. And God sees a child of, of, of God, and he sees the devil trying to mess you up. And you know what? He's going to side with you every time. There's no doubt about it. There's been isolation. People who sort of stay home, they, they watch TV programs on the Lord, I hope. You know, or, you know they, they, they're isolated now. Some of them haven't even started coming back to church yet. Because they're still fearful. The change. They reprogram their, their selves, their lives. Some of them are frustrated. They're discouraged. Some of them have reason to be. They had lost some family members, friends, or even spouses. But it's still time to refocus. Still time. We know where they are being believers. We know that they were a believer. We know exactly where they're at. What do you think Jesus did with that, that truth I just told you about the lady's husband that you see in Jesus right before he went home? We know where he is. She, and then he even told her, that was one of the things I didn't bring up. He said, don't worry to his wife. Before, if, if something happens, I guess he was pointing to. And she has great peace because she knows that Jesus came and took her husband. You know what? The church needs to refocus because you know what they do now? They grab their little cell phone or their iPad and they doom seek. They seek doom for themselves. They're scrolling. They're obsessed with bad news. They're obsessed with papers that have, they have bad news all, all over instead of good news. But we get good news magazine every month here at the church. Just one or two of them. That's about it. But quit doom seeking. Doom scrolling, I, I would call it. You never hear that on TV, do you? But that's what they people do. They're obsessed with bad news. They're scrolling through their iPhones for bad stories after bad stories. And then they just get discouraged and their thankfulness is wiped out. But James tells us that kind of all joy, brethren, in your diverse temptations when you fall into them. Kind of all joy. God's doing a work. And every single one of it. You know, that's probably the only time I preached and had very few scripture in it. Now you're going to get scripture. Call upon his name. I tell everybody, and you've heard it from this pulpit, God's phone number is Jeremiah 33.3. Just like my home number when I was a kid was Sterling 5694. 781-5694. Jeremiah 33.3. Call upon me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. So there, call on the Lord. Call on Him. And He promises if you seek Him with a whole heart diligently, it might not be just one time. You might have to do it many times. But He'll answer you. You know why? Because He wants your heart, not this. And this heaven by 18 inches. Samuel, 2 Samuel 22.4 says this, I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. 
We sang it this morning. We praised the Lord this morning. I saw people on their knees. I was on my knees. Call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. Your church isn't worthy to be praised. Your pastor isn't worthy to be praised. Your elders and deacons aren't worthy to be praised. Jesus is worthy to be praised and Him alone. Psalm 55, 16, As for me, I will call on the Lord, and the Lord will save me. Call on Him, and He'll save you. Save you from what? The penalty of sin, which is eternal death. Call on Him, and He'll save you. Who wants to die eternally? Who wants to go to the pit? Who wants to end up in the lake of fire? You think down there, all these unbelievers, they think they're going to have a party and they got Budweiser all over the place and some crack over there. And you know what you're going to see? Flames and darkness. You're going to hear screams and your teeth are going to be grinding together. What a lie from the pit. The devil wants you to think he, it's a, some big party down there. It's not a party. Eternity is a long time. Take your faith and put it where it belongs in Jesus Christ and call upon Him. He's the only one in all of history and the only one in all of the, all, all for all time has ever walked out of a tomb. There's no doubt about it. Acts 2.29 The promises for you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. In other words, everybody, Jew, Gentile, red, Yellow, black, white, pink, purple, green. It doesn't matter. Jesus died for you. When Jesus walked up to the widow of Nain as they carried her young boy out to bury him, Jesus healed him. And you know what the people began to do? They were crying out, God has visited his people. Not a great prophet. No, they got... God has visited His people. They recognized Him as the Messiah. The Messiah is God. Who can raise a dead person? And even if you have been part of it, it wasn't you that raised that dead person. It was the, the Lord, the Spirit of God. It was Jesus and his, his habitat now, the Spirit of the living God. Number two, make known His deeds. God, look at, let's look at the Bible, some parts of it. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses. What would we do without the Ten Commandments today? I know people don't like to obey the Ten Commandments. A lot of them, they like to break. Well, how about Joseph? And I mentioned him earlier. God put him in a, had him be put in a pit by his brothers who, who were hateful towards him. God got him out of the pit and sold him to Egypt. And like, he was like 12, 17 years old then. At 30, he was second in command in Egypt. God had a work for him to do. He saved an entire nation from starvation because he said, Joseph was sent to Egypt to spare an entire nation. Who do you think part of the Red Sea? See, we have to make them known. Somebody told me one time, well, where, the, where Israel crossed the Red Sea, it was only six inches, of, six inches of water. I said, well, that's even a greater miracle. If God can dry the whole Egyptian army with six inches of water, you just made the miracle more powerful. He brought water out of a rock in the desert. He flew quail in because they were complaining. They had manna every day, angels' food. It's called. They were having manna bread, manna waffles, manna burgers, banana souffle. They had manna patties. They, were, they, were, they, they loathed the stuff, says the Bible. I can relate to that because in Vietnam, I was stuck on a mountain for three and a half months with one other guy. All we ate was sea rations. Man, we tried to mix those sea rations up, you know, whatever, we, the spaghetti, oh, here's a thing of cheese for the crackers, put that on our spaghetti. You know, we'd come up with all kind of ways to make those sea rations taste good. I lost 20 pounds in the first few months. I could relate, but they complained. Why complain? 
I, you know what I did? I figured I'm going to solve this problem. I volunteered to be the mail, to take them, pick up the mail at the air base. So I could go to the air base and they had a little confection stand where I could buy a hamburger. I could nurse a hamburger for two hours, I'm not kidding you. And they weren't Big Macs either. The parting of the Jordan River, not once, not twice, but three times. These are making known his needs, his deeds. The pictures of the crucifixion you see in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, the prophecies fulfilled you see in the Bible, 365 of them. Isaiah 9, 6, a child is going to be born. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah again in 7.14, he's going to be born of a virgin. And his name's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 59, he would provide salvation. Zechariah 9.9, he's going to ride into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey. All these things in the Old Testament all point to one person. Isaiah 12, 5, the last part of that verse says, Let this be known throughout the earth. We're supposed, it's our job to make the world know about Jesus. You know what the angels are probably asking God, why did you send men? We'd be glad to fly all over the earth and change them and scream out, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And that day is going to come during the tribulation. First Peter tells us that Jesus was foreknown before the foundations of the world. And I always tell you, John, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. You see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because he was there from the foundation of the world. Number two, sing to him. Sing praises to him. Sing praises to your king. That's what we did here this morning. Psalm 66, 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Psalm 66, 4, all the earth shall worship you. Sing praises to your name. And that's what we sang this morning. Those songs were beautiful. And I'm glad Liz played the last song twice. So we could drive it home in our spirits. Luke 1.14 says, Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and spoke praises to God as Jesus healed the, 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 the mute man. He sang praises to God. I can see why. You couldn't speak and all of a sudden, boom, you're speaking. Wow. What do you think the lame people did? when They didn't walk for 30 years. 33 years. How did they just get up even the doctors will tell you today, they had to go through physical therapy. Not with Jesus. No. He said, take up your bed and walk. The guy picked up his bed and walked. Jumping and leaping and praising God, probably. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do. Not complain when we go to prayer. Praise the Lord in song, says Isaiah 12, 5. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let them be known throughout the earth. He has done excellent things. That's our job as believers, to tell people the marvelous works of God. Number two, or verse two again, still... Tell of the wonderful works. Because that verse, it's Isaiah 40, verse 5, says this. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works. Let me tell you some New Testament wonderful works. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How about some more wonderful news? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Next verse says, but if you don't believe, you're condemned already. Uh-oh, you got a decision to make. For those over you online, you got a decision to make. 
1 Peter. You know why you have a decision to make? Because 1 Peter 18, 1, 1, verse 18 and 19 says this, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, but precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, the Messiah. That's why. Because you weren't redeemed. It wasn't a bull or a goat that saved you. It was the Son of God's blood that saved you. How about this one? For by grace, through God's riches at Christ's expense, you were saved by faith, not of yourself. Now God made sure that was put in there because that's exactly what you think. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of your work. So if all the good things you think you have done for God, if they weren't done in Jesus' name, then it's not going to be recorded in the kingdom of heaven. You have a responsibility. First responsibility is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to call upon him. But as many as called as many as received him asked him in, he gave the gift of eternal life. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone opens the door, you have to open the door. And come in, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. You have to open your door. God isn't going to force his way through the door. He's a gentleman. He wants you to ask him in. You must receive him as your Savior. You must knock on his door. He's knocking at your door every day, telling you to believe, and you're saying, oh, man, my friends will think I'm a Jesus freak. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be a holy ruler. <laughs> Why don't you say I'm going to be a child of the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God of the universe? And you're worried about your little friend over there going to call you some stupid derogatory name. <clears throat> application you mean to speak less and glory in Christ more that's what we're supposed to do this Thanksgiving week do it Glory in his holy name. Here, we mentioned it last week, I believe. I don't know if I mentioned it or I heard it somewhere. I read from Isaiah 6.3. Seraphim cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heavenly armies are crying out. The Lord of hosts is the Lord's heavenly army. They are all crying, Holy, holy, holy. And then even in Revelation 4.8, the, the elders and Probably the seraphim, they are crawling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These are probably seraphim, which had the six wings. Two, he covered his eyes, two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew in humility before God. The application again, our responsibility is to keep God's name and his holy Christ as holy, holy, holy in our lives, and we too are supposed to be holy. Exodus and Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments tell you, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, but in Deuteronomy 5.11, listen to what it says, this is more detailed. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. In other words, if you take the Lord's name in vain for all these people, when I turn the TV on, sometimes, you know, you hear, you know, 
you know, taking the Lord's name in vain. I, that bothers me. The, the F word, does, it bothers me, but it don't bother me like taking the name of the Lord in vain. You know why? Right here. Because you're not going to go unpunished for taking his name in vain. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God that shed his blood for you, and you take his name in vain? On one program I turned on a couple months ago, the first words out of their mouth was taking the Lord's name in vain twice. I don't remember what program it was, but I immediately shut it off. You don't take the Lord's God's name in vain. This is the King of kings, the God of the universe, the one who saved you by his blood. We're to be thankful at all time. Having Verse 3 says, have a heart that seeks the Lord will rejoice. If you have a heart that seeks the Lord, you're going to rejoice. Proverbs 8, 17. I told you you're going to get a lot of scripture. Proverbs 8, 17. Those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. Diligently seek him with a whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. God promises if you seek him, you will find him. Amos 5, 4 says this. For thus says the Lord, seeking me that you may seek me that you may live. This is what the Lord wants for you. God is not willing that any perish, that all would come to repentance. Here it says it in Amos. A lot of you probably never read the book of Amos. It says here, For the for thus says the Lord, seek me and you will live. Wow, that's a good promise. Proverbs 4 23, guard your heart, church especially in these last days that we're in. Guard your heart more than anything else. The source of your life flows from your heart. Your heart's the wellspring of life, says another verse. Guard your heart, because the world wants to tear you up. The devil, the world, will use your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your friends, you mostly recognize it when he uses an enemy, but not when he uses um, things you love. You've got to be careful. Guard your heart. Another version says, because it's the wellspring of your life. Verse 5, remember his marvelous works, miracles, and judgments. His works, let me give you some of those. The creation. God created the word when God created the, earth, the heavens and the earth, it uses the word, word in Hebrew, bara, which, which means from nothing. So God created the heavens and the earth, which is in the, in the universe. How could he do it from nothing? He had to create nothing. You know, you heard of the two scientists that said to God, you can, you, you, you know, you can fashion a man, we'll fashion a man just like you. So God fashions the man, raises him up. The man's go, the other two scientists go over, they start digging in the sand, and Jesus says, oh no. What do you mean, oh no? He said, get your own sand. Internet, we, you know, God created from nothing. When you study the scriptures and you dig into the words Hebrew and Greek and you see this, God created from nothing. Even David, when he said, give me a new heart, O God, he used the word bara. He says, I don't want this heart. Put me a new heart. Make me a new heart from nothing. You know, the flood, the great work of God, the ark, the animals, Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Egyptian exodus, the Red Sea parting, the Jordan parting three times, his son, his birth, his death, his resurrection, the salvation that's free because of his marvelous works, that you're saved by grace through faith. None of you are righteous. No, not one. There is none. There is the way, there's none righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages for falling short of the glory of God is is death. But the gift of God. It's free. Gift is always free. You don't pay for your Christmas gifts. The gift of God is always free. So, the gift of God is eternal life. 
So you need to call upon the Lord with a whole heart. His wonders, listen, the healings. Look at Jesus' healing. Nobody stacked up anywhere near Jesus' miracles. Even the prophets Elijah and Elisha, you know, they, they did miracles through God, not God doing them himself. He, God did it through them. But in, in when Jesus walked the earth, it was God doing it, his son, the son of God's doing it. He, the, lepers, the lepers were healed, the deaf heard, the mute spoke, the blind saw, the crippled walked. The dead were raised. His other wonders, the teachings of Jesus. There's three chapters of straight Jesus talking. If you turn to your Bible and you have a red letter Bible, <laughs> there's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's Jesus like just preaching on the mount. All beautiful stuff. What if we didn't have those teachings? Those are wonderful to us. His, his fulfilling all the prophecies. No one else could fulfill 365 prophecies in the Old Testament. And Jesus was dead after many of them were, were fulfilled. How could he do that unless he was alive? This is just black ink on white pages. It's the Word of God. Whether it's red or white or black, it's the Word of God. People say, well, Jesus' words are more important. No, they aren't. They're all God's Word. They're all of equal importance. They put the red letters in there just so you would know it was Jesus that spoke. That's it. His judgments, Exodus 6.6, 6, bringing Israel out from under the burden of the Egyptians and delivering them from their bondage. He delivered Israel you know, from the Egyptians who had them enslaved and their judgments were, were, were by God. There were ten of them. You remember what they were? You can't name them in order because I can't name them in order. Water into blood, frogs, lice, swarms of beetles or flies, diseases on livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn. Those are all judgments of God just to get Israel out of Egypt. As Exodus 7, 4, when Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand upon him and bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt by great judgments. And he did that. His judgments are real. Here's what Miriam did. If you've got your Bibles, Exodus chapter 15. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, 15. After, they part, after the Red Sea was parted, a great wonder and a work of God, miraculous miracle, verse 1 of chapter 15 of Exodus, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. And the depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like stone. Whew. Wonders. Miriam knew what to do. She got on the other side and watched the Red Sea collapse on the Egyptian army. And she began to sing, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. The Lord is God, and I will praise him. The Lord is God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is God, and I will praise him. The Lord is God, and I will exalt him. You ever hear that song? I sang that 43 years ago. It was a powerful song in a Christian church, just with a guitar. So you can find it online. 
I didn't do it justice, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> but listen, the Lord is God, and you need to exalt him. Whether you know him or not, begin to exalt him. And start seeking after him. And he promises you'll find him. I sought him. I found him. All of you sought him. And you found him. And you know what? You out there, just seek him. Get on your knees. Throw your hands in the air. While you're eating your sandwich, just exalt him. And you know what? With your whole heart. And you will be saved. That's all I have to say. Come back next week. Tune in next week. Or come on by 2810 High Paluxo Road. Lantana, Florida. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're Freedom Church. Just a little place along the road. You know, but great things happen with small churches. Twelve disciples turn the world upside down. God can use us. Amen. God, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord God. Thank you for this, this week that most people begin to thank, thank others, Lord. And I pray that today we begin to thank you, not just on Thanksgiving Day before our meal, but every day from the rising of the sun till its setting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.